has been 10,875 days since the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed. And you are parked in the access aisle. My name is Robbie Kopp, the Director of Advocacy and Community Access at ABLE South Carolina. And I am Tiffany Namey, the Advocacy Coordinator for ABLE South Carolina. Today, we are going to take on your questions about the census and make sure you are comfortable, confident, and ready to get your census questionnaire in and done. Joining us today is Marilyn Stevens, Assistant Regional Census Manager for the Atlanta region of the United States Census Bureau. We're going to be asking, Marilyn, your questions that you shared with us and make sure that you have everything you need in order to stand up and be counted for the 2020 U.S. Census. So, Marilyn, welcome. So glad to have you with us. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start with a really easy question, um, hopefully. But Marilyn, tell us, what is the census and why does it matter? Based on Article 1, Section 2 of the United States Constitution, every 10 years, and really years ending in zero, um, the Census Bureau is tasked with counting the entire population of the United States. The purpose of the census is for apportionment to determine how many seats each state gets in Congress. And that really determines that state's voice. So the more seats you have, the bigger your voice. Well, Congress has changed over time. Since the first census was taken in 1790, it went from 65 to 103, now to 435, where it stands. So it's, the census is about uh, political power, and it's about money. States depend on the $675 billion in resources that are allocated from the federal government down to the states every year. And in those funding formulas, the basis is census data. That's, so that's really incredible. So folks that are really interested in the political voice of South Carolina, making sure that we have a fair and accurate count in a state where we expect that there has been a population increase and change into more congressional seats and greater representation in the United States House. Uh, and that's really helpful to know. And tell me that number again, Marilyn. Let's drive home that point of how much money uh, is really at stake when it comes to the formula for apportionment. Yes, $675 billion. That's $7 trillion over a decade. So it gets to be real money. That is a <laughs> lot of money. Real money is such a huge understatement. Yeah, that's a $7 trillion impact over the next 10 years and making sure that, that South Carolina gets its piece of the pie. For people with disabilities, Robbie, that money goes to programs like SNAP and... What what other kinds of programs might that go to, do you think, that would impact the lives of people with disabilities? The the transportation dollar is a really big piece of that, too, that, that I, we can't overlook. Marilyn, tell us some of the other ways that, that that $7 trillion kind of breaks down into programs for real people on the ground. Medicaid, uh, Medicare, uh, TANA, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, um, Education Programs, Libraries. Uh, veterans, uh, senior services. So, you know, so the entire plethora of federal programs, all of them impact people with disabilities. For sure. Because of their families, because of their children, 
because of their communities. You know, highway construction and planning, emergency preparedness, community health clinics. All of these things are heavily impacted because of census numbers. Absolutely. So it's it's really clear and, and really hearing all of the programs that are impacted by the census numbers. I mean, it's clear that the disability community is impacted and what services are available and provided. So let's let's talk just a little bit about how to get the census done. What are some of the questions that folks can expect as they complete the census? Well, the good thing is that the census is, is simple. We don't deal in a, a lot of, of questions and people really like that about, about the census. We ask uh, for your name, we ask, ask for your sex, we ask your birth date, and we ask if you are of Hispanic origin, we ask your race. Now, if there are others in the household, uh, we ask what is their relationship to you? And household relationship has been on the census questionnaire since 1880. So it's not really a new question. It's, you know, it's, it's about 10 questions, a little less than that. And it takes about 10 minutes. Yeah, and that's, I think that's the thing that folks sometimes miss, is that we, we hear a lot of information about the census. I think there are a lot of community reminders, and, and it also seems like never quite en- enough of those community reminders. But the time that it takes to really complete the census is next to nothing. Our household, we did the census the first week that it was available online, and it took, I, I think we did it in like seven minutes for the three of us. And it was really, really simple. Yes. And I think that uh, this uh, census cycle is the first time that we had so many options to participate. And, you know, yeah. previous cycles, you know, we mailed the questionnaire out, you sent the questionnaire back to us. And this time, with all the options of online, uh, telephone, and by mail, I think that people with disabilities have, have been uh, giving us really positive feedback about this was just ideal. Yeah, and and that's really great to hear. I think in 2020, it makes sense for us to do things online and and make sure that that online information is accessible because technology is making, it's it's leveling the playing field for folks with and without disabilities and making sure that there's access to participation and information. So, so glad to hear that the Census Bureau has been making that leap along with the times. We want to talk more about those formats. Before we do that, I want to ask just a couple of other questions that, that I know that folks may have been a little nervous about and, and just want to make sure that we have a clear answer on, on whether that's asked. So first, uh, we had a question that says, will I be asked for my social security number in the census? No, no. And, though, and we've had people to see the boxes on the bottom of that first question and they think it's for social security number. It's for your telephone number. So if in fact we need to contact you for any reason, we will be, do that. It's not for telemarketing. We're not going to use information any other way. But if we have to contact you for whatever reason, we will. Other than that, no, we do not ask for your social security number or your bank number. That was going to be my next question. You took the words right out of my mouth. So there, <laughs> the banking question, none of that is necessary. None of that is part of the census and neither is social security number. It is not. Other census surveys that... Um, your uh, listeners may be a part of, we don't ask for social security numbers on the other census surveys because they may be in, in sample for another census survey. Okay, well that's really helpful to know too. Yeah, great. I think that the social security number question and question about financial information or banking information, we all 
and, and rightfully so, really want to protect that and make sure that it's not shared. So listeners, hear us. It's not part of the census. Don't delay in completing the census for fear of having to share a social security number or any banking information. It's not part right. of it. Right. Now, if you're part of the American Community Survey, we do ask some income questions on the American Community Survey, but it's not about asking what your bank account is or your your routing numbers. It's about asking a range of your income, the types of investments, and this is part of going to the economic indicators on the American Community Survey. But no, we're not asking for bank numbers and social security numbers on anything. Good. Well, we, we've talked about just the, the short number of questions that there actually are and how, how we would say they're non-invasive. They're not, they're not prying questions. They're not sensitive questions. Um, but the census yeah. is, is brief and easy. Tell me about the, the security of, of the data that is collected from the census. How can people know that their information is kept safe? Absolutely. That's the number one question that we get. What about my privacy and my confidentiality? Census data is protected by two laws, Title 13 of the United States Code and Title 44. Under Title 13, the Census Bureau cannot publish anything that will identify an individual or a household or even an establishment on our, on our economic surveys that will show where you live, that you gave us this answer. In other words, it won't say Marilyn Stevens says that she is 21 again. Um, <laughs> it, and it won't say that Marilyn Stevens lives here in Nevada. It, it won't say any of that or North Carolina. It's just an aggregate of data. The number, just age um, ranges. Uh, how many people are male? How many people are, are female? How many people own a home with a mortgage? How many people own a home without a mortgage? What types of relationships? How many are spouses? How many are children? You know, how many are in-laws? How many are parents? Um, but so we don't um, publish anything that will identify you or your household with any response you've given to me. Then Title 13 goes a step further. Census data cannot be gotten by anybody, nobody from law enforcement, no CIA, no FBI, not even the IRS, uh, not even ICE, not even immigration, cannot be subpoenaed by the courts, cannot be gotten by the president. No one can get census data. Census data is floating out here on this island that's highly protected. Under Title 44, the other law that protects census data, census data is sealed for 72 years. Therefore, those genealogists that are your listeners are wondering when is the next uh, release of census data. The last release was in 2012 for the 1940 census because the 72-year threshold under Title 44 had been met. The 1950 census will be released in 2022, and that would be the latest census to be in the public domain. So census data is protected. However, if for any reason, similar to what happened during the Katrina-Rita catastrophe uh, in the Gulf Coast, and you have to be relocated and you don't have uh, any identification through the Census Bureau's age search program, there's a BC Bravo Charlie 600 form where you can request, I can't request your information, only you can. And we will send you a document that says you are Marilyn Stevens, you were this age uh, during a decennial census, and you can use that 
to get entitlements, to get a passport, and literally to put your life back together. That's really amazing. So the the data is, I mean, it sounds like it is incredibly well protected from, from even federal agencies. But when you need it as an individual, if something unbelievable happens, something terrible, a, a disaster, you can get access back to your own information to confirm your own identity? Absolutely. That's amazing. So, I mean, it sounds like it's, it's set up to, to really serve the public benefit in, in the least risk way possible. Absolutely. I'm, I'm telling you, when people say, well, this is private or confidential, you know, you get something in the mail, our privacy uh, policy has changed. The first thing I look for, is it under Title 13? <laughs> because I know that it's protected by law and all census employees are covered under the law under lifetime sworn status. Lifetime sworn status. You know, in the old days, our grandparents would talk about taking things to your grave. Well, I think the lawmakers heard that and made that Title 13 because we have lifetime sworn status. We cannot release, we cannot reveal anything that we know that will identify you or your household. That can lead to a prison term and or a quarter of a million dollar fine. It sounds like that census information really can save your life though. It's just a really good backup. It takes 10 minutes and you've kind of given yourself an insurance policy to have your information protected. Yes, and just think, uh, for any reason, if your children uh, need uh, information about themselves, because often parents are leaving their children off of the census questionnaire, and we, can't, we don't know why. So we have made an all-out effort, this census, to have parents to understand the importance of counting all their children in the census. Well, Marilyn, that brings up my question. I've heard of specific populations being referred to as hard to count. What is a hard to count population? Um, hard to count populations are those populations that are traditionally uh, have been disenfranchised over the history of the nation. Therefore, there have been people, it's been handed down through the years about different reasons that you don't want to participate in the census. So minority groups, people with disabilities, they have been, been traditionally hard to count. Mistrust of government, afraid that what they provide to the government will be used against them in an adverse manner. High poverty areas, low educational attainment, immigrant populations, those are traditional populations that shy away from being involved in anything that it pertains to the government and particularly the census. And you said that the disability community is traditionally a hard to count community. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things is the fact that we have to do special outreach because people are saying, because of my disability, how is this going to help me? How is participating in the census really going to help me? You know, that's what everybody wants to know. What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. How is this going to help me? This civic ceremony. So we have in the, in the last um, three censuses I've been involved in, uh, there has been a concerted effort in outreach uh, to the disability community to raise awareness on the importance of the census, um, to, to securing resources over a decade. People with disabilities have children that are in school. People with disabilities, of course, need health care services. People with disabilities uh, need Medicare. People with dis- disabilities are very concerned about highway construction and planning and having good roads in, in, in their places. 
very concerned about transportation, their transportation needs. So our ability to connect with the community, to explain the importance of the census, and I call it a once a decade reset, that all of us get this once a decade reset to chart the course and solidify the, the direction of that pipeline of resources that we're going to get so does the census actually ask any questions about disability not on the not on the 2020 census questionnaire we do ask questions about disability on the american community survey questionnaire so many of your listeners uh, well i've gotten calls already these people say i've got this in the mail it says the american community survey what is that should i do that and the census and the answer is yes and there are questions on the American Community Survey about uh, disabilities. If there are no questions about disability, then why is it important to make sure the disability community is counted correctly? I mean, we talked about kind of what's in it for us, but what's in it for, for you? What happens if we're undercounted? You know, one of the things is that, um, that we, it came out in our summit for people with disabilities that we had earlier this last year. Representation, and that's one of the things that we want to press upon people. Congressional uh, representation is the key, it's the primary reason we take a census, that's the key. So when people with disabilities go to their congressperson, they want to make sure that they are included in that number so that they're getting the, the people that represent them. So when they go to, to their congressman, they said, and we know that our populations are, are substantial. Uh, we live in, in this area. We've got another congressional seat. And I, we need some services. But because the numbers are the things that count. Because all of us are the same in a census. And all of us are looking to be able to get certain kinds of representation. One of the things that I say there would not be any minority congressional caucuses without the census. And most people don't know that. So the one concern, and you just touched on this a little bit before, but the one concern that we've heard a lot is, is that people with disabilities are afraid to fill out the census or may just be a little hesitant to fill out the census because they think that their information may be used against them or that they could lose their benefits. No. Uh, one of the things is that in some communities, there is a restriction on who can be in that in that household. You know, uh, some of them have a person restriction where it pertains to you can only if you have non-relatives, there's only be so many. The census doesn't deal with any of that because no one sees your information. Therefore, you can be 100% accurate on the count because it's for apportionment. No one, not the not the city officials, not the code enforcement people, no one. But when you are not counted in a census and your city or, or town or county or village is short on emergency management resources or they have to scale back on transportation services, it's because the census numbers do not support the need, which is the basis for the funding formula. It's so important as we look at the programs and services that are provided and, and what's available in the community, knowing that being undercounted or, or not participating in the census makes it so that I mean, we may end up finding 
reductions to, to what South Carolina is allocated to to use for the public benefit. And, and I don't think that's anything that the South Carolinian wants. We want to make sure that South Carolina gets its fair share. so far about what the census is and why it's important. We've talked about some of the fears that folks may have with participating, and I think we've put all of those to rest, which is really amazing. So let me, I want to return to a point that you had made earlier and, and maybe dive down a little bit deeper. You mentioned that there are more ways than ever in the 2020 census to complete the questionnaire. So tell me, give us a reminder of how folks can complete the census. First, people can complete the census online um, at my2020census.gov. And you can complete it online in language because this census, we are supporting 11 non-English languages. Or call a toll-free number at 1-844-330-2020. And we'll provide uh, to you, Robbie and uh, uh, Tiffany, a fact sheet that you can make available to your podcast listeners uh, that will provide them with other information about um, the census uh, and how to respond and to make ensure that it's accessible for them with the TD, uh, the the, uh, TDD number as well. That's great. I think you're, you're really primed for where I wanted to go next with, with some of the questions that we've gotten and that is the accessibility of uh, the different formats of the questionnaire and how it's available. So can you can you comment on how accessible the online version of the census is for folks who may have a visual disability and use a screen reader? Yes. The Census Bureau's website has to be in compliant with the law. That's number one, because I'm asked that all the time. Is the Census Bureau site uh, in compliant with the law as it pertains to people with disabilities? And the answer to that is yes, it is. Every every other precaution has been taken as well. There's even a Braille uh, questionnaire assistance guide that we've had in previous census cycles. And we will get uh, some in-house uh, that we will be able to distribute to persons that request them. Also, for those that have the special printer, they will be able to print that, that particular Braille guide out and, and have that guide. There are also some large print questionnaire assistance guides for those persons that may want to complete their paper questionnaire. So we have taken every, we've looked at every conceivable way to to ensure that everybody is included in this census. Yeah, and that's really evident. I I get to ask folks about accessibility pretty often in, in the work that I do. And if I can ask someone one accessibility question and they tell me about all of the alternative formats for for a particular population, uh, and they're able to work ahead of me in that way, that's always a really encouraging sign. I did ask that question knowing the answer. Uh, we've had a friend who is a South Carolina constituent. She uses a screen reader, uh, and she kind of tore through her census, got it done really quickly, and then, and then shared one of these questions with us afterwards that has already been answered. But her comment was that it was so easy to use and incredibly accessible that it was it was quick and easy for, for her to do for her family, which was great. Yeah, what we really want your listeners to do is to, we want to become a circle of 10. Once you complete yours, call 10 of your friends, neighbors, 
and associates and say, have you completed the 2020 census? It's so it's important and it's really easy and it's safe. So, and let's expand our, our circle of 10 and see how far your circle of 10 extends. We're encouraging everyone when they fill out their census to use hashtag more than a number and hashtag disability counts 2020 and share with us on social media that you have been counted because we want to know that you're filling out the census but we also want you to tell everyone else that you're filling out the census too because you are an example to people in your life and they go hey you know I should probably be doing that too that's a good reminder thanks and also use hashtag 2020 census so the Census Bureau will be able to pick up on it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think as folks complete the census, it's important to tell that story and, and to have that story spread. So we even talked a little bit about completing the census for someone who may be deaf. You mentioned TTY and, and TTD to make sure that folks can, can access information over the phone uh, or over phone lines uh, if they have a hearing disability. So I think that that's that's all really, really helpful information. So any listener who has not yet completed your census questionnaire, we're, we're kind of taking away your excuses. It's time to hop to it and get it done. With that in mind, I do want to ask another question. If, if someone is, is going to complete it and they just need uh, a little extra help or a little support as they go through, uh, how can they ask for help? Yes, they can call our toll-free number at 1-844-330-2020. And we have representatives that will take the information by phone. You could actually complete your questionnaire by telephone. That's great. So don't forget that toll-free number. It's important to, to ask for help when you need it. And, and don't use that as an excuse to not get the census done. Uh, I do want to ask, there's just a couple of questions. We're living in really interesting times right now uh, with with a lot of risk in the community and, and practicing social distancing. Can you comment, have there been impacts to the 2020 census from COVID-19? Uh, yes, uh, we have, we paused, we paused all of our uh, public contact operations a, a few weeks ago. And so we are using contacting our partners through social media, um, the various platforms. We took our staff out the field. So that's been a little different. Also, the online, the self-response, rather, the self-response period was from March 12th through July 31st, and it's now uh, March 12th through August 14th. That has been extended. But we want people to complete today. We want you to, because every day, every day, the response rates are published. Every day. So the national response rate now is at 48.1%. So you, you, all, you definitely want to, some, some of your uh, listeners may have challenges with their friends, like I do with my friends. So every day we decide who wins the day, who has the, um, the, the highest response rate for the day. And anybody who stayed as like an outlier, we take them out the group. <laughs> we want to make it easy for the remainder of us. So they may want to do that. So the national response right now is at 48.1% as of today. Yeah, that's really good to know. And, and as of today, our record date is April 13th. So as of right now, uh, that's the, the daily response rate. And it, it will be different 
on the day that this podcast is released and, and different a week after that and a week after that. Absolutely. But it's good to know where we stand. With, with kind of the traditional idea of census, um, there's, there's always that image of, of a census worker kind of going door to door and checking in with families and households. Has that, is that process going to be different? I know we would, we'd prefer to not need folks going door to door and knocking uh, because right. the census can be completed online and by phone. But is that process going to be adjusted at all given the coronavirus? Well, we have moved that process um, back. You know, it's, it's been uh, normally it would start mid-May. So that, that operation has been moved back. We don't know when we will start it. And the new procedures, we have yet to see those. Okay. So those are, those are in consideration. And, and I'm glad that the Census Bureau is really thinking through that and, and watching out for your people and, and making sure that your workers are going to be safe. Social distancing is, is heavily practiced as well as uh, no public contact operations. Great. I think it's so important for us to think about what what this might look like a few, uh, a couple months from now or a month from now when we start seeing those field workers out going door to door because we can prevent them from needing to come to our door by completing our census today uh, and making sure that our household is counted. Correct. Absolutely. Fantastic. That That's what we sure. want everybody to do. And, then, and now it's, it's because it's so easy. Uh, with the with the options. Last week, the households that had not responded received a paper questionnaire. Therefore, they have all three options in their hands, online, telephone, and paper. That's great. And that's, that's more than enough for you listeners uh, as you listen at home or as you listen in the backyard or the balcony of your apartment as you social distance. No matter where you are, you can do it right now. You can do it over the internet. You can do it on your smartphone. You can dial the old-fashioned way from your phone and make sure that you get the census completed. Or you can send that questionnaire in in the mail and get it done and help keep a field worker from knocking on your door. I think with all of that in mind, we've really driven home how important the census is and how it directs federal dollars that that we really rely on for really important programs and services from transportation to Medicaid and Medicare and SNAP and TANF and, and the list goes on and on, making sure that South Carolina is allocated our fair share. We've also talked about some of the fears that folks may have about the census and, and really laid those aside, knowing that the census is simple and it's safe and it isn't intrusive. It's not collecting information that'll make us uncomfortable and and a little bit that is collected is also protected. And we've also talked about how accessible it is and how easy it is to get it done and to get it done now. I want to say thanks to all the listeners that have sent in questions and participated in this process with us. I want to thank you, Marilyn, so much for spending this time with us and answering thank our you, questions Marilyn. and helping us feel comfortable and confident. Thank you for inviting me. Yay, Marilyn. <laughs> So glad to have you. So one last note, completing the 2020 census is quick and easy. Do it now. Once you do it, share it on social media. Use hashtags, hashtag more than a number, hashtag disability counts 2020. And hashtag, tell us your hashtag again, Marilyn. Hashtag 2020 census. And share it loud and proud and be counted.
Able South Carolina is here for you and we want you to be here with us. So subscribe to our email, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or contact us by phone. You have been parked in the access aisle, a production of Able South Carolina.